Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Recovery Lifestyle Podcast. I'm Chris Decker, and I'm joined here in studio by John Rizzi. This is part six of a series where we've been talking about intimacy anorexia. And we've kind of made this decision to go deeper on some of these topics. And it's kind of, it's happened naturally. Uh, As a reminder, the definition of intimacy anorexia is the active withholding of emotional, spiritual, and sexual intimacy from the spouse. I'm going to go over the 10 characteristics one more time as a quick recap. Number one is busy. Staying so busy that you have little relational time for your partner. Number two is blame. Making it about your partner instead of owning your issues. Number three is love. Withholding love from your partner. Number four is praise. Withholding praise or appreciation from your partner. Number five is sex. Withholding sex from your partner. Number six is spirituality. Withholding spiritually from your partner. Number seven is feelings, unwillingness or inability to discuss feelings with your partner. Number eight is criticism, ongoing or ungrounded criticism causing isolation. Number nine is anger and silence, controlling by anger and silence. And number 10 is money, controlling or shaming your partner with money issues. Now today we're talking about feelings. We're going deeper on number seven, Um, the unwillingness or inability to discuss feelings with your partner. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Nice to be back in studio and good to see you. Um, really quick, let's let's talk about why we think this conversation has requ- required, I don't know, that might be too strong of a word, but has pushed us towards really digging deep into it and, and doing all these episodes. This is our sixth episode around intimacy anorexia. And I feel like this is a really important topic that we want to shed some light on and, and have a conversation about and bring people into the conversation and introduce people to the topic because I, I feel like I see these 10 characteristics in a lot of men um, in our recovery groups. I know that it's in me big time. And uh, I, f- I, I feel like this is an area where when we explore it, um, we come, become a lot more aware of it. And then we can start to make subtle changes. And, and over time, those subtle changes become really transformative. What I, what I kind of am seeing here is that it's, it's really easy to focus on one particular symptom and think that that's my only problem. Like I only struggle with money intimacy in our marriage or I only structure, uh, struggle with sexual intimacy or praise and, and trying to, to stay hyper-focused on those things in the micro, uh, but to actually zoom out and look at the pattern and cluster of these characteristics together mm-hmm. um, is much different because then it's it's a much bigger behavioral shift to acknowledge that I'm emotionally anorexic and addressing all of these things. Therefore, if I'm starting to chip away at emotional anorexia as a whole, the path to transformation is bigger. Yeah. More, more, I don't know, more impactful. Yeah. And I think, I think there's an interplay between these characteristics. And I also know, at least for me, there's a strong connection between acting in, that's what we call it when we 
display these behaviors of intimacy anorexia and acting out. We know all, everyone knows that's when I'm acting out in my addiction, um, particularly with sex addiction. I, th I, th I think that there's a really strong linkage. Mm -hmm. um, that's my issue. So I can't really speak to other issues, whether or not there's a strong connection, but I would venture to guess that there is. And then I would ask you, um, this topic, we've been talking about it now for six weeks, and it's pretty new to you, right? And, and, and I just, you know, maybe just a little ch temperature check on, and, on your experience in learning more about this. Well, it's been the, the, the group cluster that's been fascinating is how all of these things are correlated and how working in any one particular area is going to impact the other. Kind of mm -hmm. like a, um, a puppeteer pulling strings. But in this case, as each sort of bucket of recovery starts to get worked on and addressed, it, it, it I don't know, it levels up the whole thing, so to speak. I don't know if that makes any sense. That's the, that's the feeling that I'm getting is, is that it's helping me to look at recovery in my marriage, like the most important relationship in my life other than Jesus. Uh, it's helping me to look at it more holistically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think as men, this area in particular, identifying and talking about feelings is really tough for us. Women are more natural. I mean, I know I'm stereotyping, but women do this more naturally than than men. And a lot of that's cultural. You know, we're kind of taught as young men to suck it up and don't cry. Big boys don't cry kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we start to emotionally stuff our feelings and not be really good at identifying them. I remember, you know, Pastor Rick talks about this quite a bit. Um uh, and, and I recall him talking about, you know, feelings aren't facts, right? Feelings are feelings, not facts. And I know for me, when my wife is sharing feelings, I'm reading them as facts and, and reacting poorly oftentimes. It's, it's almost impossible to like analyze them in a linear fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And knowing that they're not true potentially, but if I'm accepting them as true or taking them personally, uh, and really all my wife wants to do is be heard mm -hmm. and validated. And, you know, I'm trying to fix because there's an issue and I got to fix it. Otherwise, we're in crisis. And that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. well, let me read you something that um, that I found uh, Pastor Rick talking about. Um, the connection between thinking, feeling, and making change in my life. So first, he, he talks about feelings being unreliable. Um also, like, I can't feel my way into action, mm. which I, I, I find really fascinating. So here's what he says. The, the way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel determines the way you act. If you want to change the way you act, you start by changing the way you think. In addition, if you want to change the way you feel, you must start with changing the way you think. And then he says this. You are not what you think you are, rather what you think you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, wow. Okay, so I, <clears throat> I have to think my way into these feelings. And I, I don't know if it was intentional or not as we were going through, as I was going through my day today, knowing that we were going to talk about this. 
I have been having this really negative dialogue with myself lately about work, about, oh, I'm so exhausted, oh, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, and I and then I started thinking like, well, I'm going to talk myself into that for sure. And that's just going to make me feel really lethargic and depressed and slow and lazy. And, and so I, I started trying to pivot that and change into thinking like, you know, I'm getting to work on challenging problems. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited to make a contribution. Um, uh, I, you know, this is my living and I make a good living at this and I should do my best. You know, just sort of trying to reprogram myself into being more positive because I literally think that it's, it's um, self-fulfilling when I start talking, having that inner dialogue that says, uh, I'm, I'm really tired. I'm burned out. I'm overwhelmed. I need a break. I can't handle this. I'm stressed. This sucks. And it just kind of goes down and down and down. Can you relate to that? Yeah. Um, to me, it's, it's a, it's a reframe of did, did I glorify God in my work today? Yeah. And if you know when i when i can focus on that reframe you know the days where weeks or days or months where it's a little more challenging than others become a bit more bearable because of trying to look at work as ministry and ministry as work mm -hmm. uh, but not a lot of people have the 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 freedoms that i do so i re recognize that i'm very fortunate um, can, can I just share something from a feelings perspective that may or not be totally relevant here? And then I'm, you know, we can go deeper. Yeah, please. Is that the other day, um, I, you know, I was asking my wife, like, Hey, I, I have this tendency to try and like reframe things positively all the time. Like, what do you think about that? She says, well, I think you have a little bit of toxic positivity. <laughs> I'm like, we're like, what the heck is toxic positivity? Yeah. She's like, you always think things are going to go okay. Mm, like Pollyanna-ish, almost. Like, what is Pollyanna? -ish? Well, just like like the glasses more than half full, like rose-colored glasses and, and, and almost being in denial of the problem. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Being in denial that there that there is a problem, like almost trying to say, Oh, you know, yeah, you have a cough and a slight sniffle. There's no way you're sick. Like you're going to be better really quick. And so I, I realized is, is that, that that's been my own form of staying distant from people and like truly empathizing with their feelings by trying to just instantly help them reframe it into something more positive, aka a toxic positivity, which is the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah, me too. I love um, it though. But I, I didn't believe that was a thing. And she's yeah. like... No, I, I, I don't always want you to tell me that things are going to be okay. If I got into a car accident and had a shitty day, I want you to tell me. I want you to just say, I'm sorry you had a day like this. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because my mom does that to where it'll be. I'm trying to share something with her, be vulnerable, tell her about some pain, from my childhood in particular i tried this with you know we moved around a, a lot as a kid not like every six months but enough to be super disruptive 
And I was trying to tell my mom about that because I was working through this in recovery. And, and she just said, well, it all worked out. And I just like, I'm glad it was over the phone because I wanted to throttle her. Like, no, as a matter of fact, it didn't work out. I became a mess. What'd you want to hear? Uh, yeah, I mean, unrealistically, I probably wanted to hear some acknowledgement of, you know, your dad and I should have thought more about you guys when we made those moves, mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, my dad moving because it was more convenient for him. Mm. Um, I know I made a commitment to my kids, not directly, but with my wife, like, no, they're gonna, they're gonna go to elementary school, middle school and high school, all with the same residence, same friend groups, uh, and, and provide that kind of stability and consistency. Now, you know, I was messed up in other ways, so I messed them up in plenty of ways, obviously, but you know, that wasn't one of them. feelings <laughs> <laughs> i know we're digressing a little bit let me um l- let's talk about the definition right so there was the inability or unwillingness so let's talk about the inability um i already said that i think men are not great at this i feel like we are good at super basic emotion right we know angry mm-hmm. we know happy we know horny but we don't have the nuance <clears throat> Uh, typically, unless we practice it and, mm-hmm. and really start to learn. And there's a really great exercise that I learned from my time um, in the intensive with Dr. Weiss, and, I, and and Corey talks about this. There's a feelings exercise that they recommend. Um, <clears throat> and so they give you a list. There's probably, I don't know, 300, 400 feelings words here. And the way the exercise goes is um, I do two shares with my wife. Right. She does two. I do two. The first one is I kind of randomly pick a word and I talk about uh, I feel and whatever that word is um, when something happens. So like it could be a pre- uh, it, it should be a present situation, um, you know, something more recent. Right. So like uh, let's find one um, deprived. So I feel deprived um, when I go to bed too late and get up too early, and then I'm really groggy and grouchy. So I would share that with my wife. Um, And then the second time I share, I would use the same word Mm -hmm. and try to recall the first time that I, I experienced that feeling. So, you know, kind of trying to go back in my memory, thinking, you know, when did I feel deprived? Um, So, like, I felt deprived as a kid when my dad um, really didn't want to celebrate Christmas. And and so we didn't get gifts. And and I felt deprived, right? Um, So there's, there's all of these words. It's great. There's some guidelines that when I'm doing the feelings exercise with my wife, one is... Um, no examples about each other. So, you know, I feel deprived because you don't give me enough sex isn't the heart posture for this exercise. Right. <clears throat> maintaining eye contact. So, I'm, you know, maintaining eye contact is something that's really powerful for relationships. And um, depending on personalities, that can be very uncomfortable to maintain eye contact and really like, I'm talking to you, not at you. I'm talking with you, not past you, right? Like we're, we're engaged. 
uh, and then no feedback. So this is kind of a no crosstalk type of situation. Uh, and and these are just guidelines. If if people want to um, do it differently, that's fine. Uh, but I find it, it it can be very challenging. I mean, some of these words are are tough. But the more that I do this, um, the better I get at being able to pick out some of the nuances in these and subtle differences mm -hmm. between some of these words. I mean, some of them I don't even know what they mean. <clears throat> Modeling. <laughs> I'm feeling maudlin. I'd have to look that one up. But, you know, some of them, they're lustful, mad, stifled, unsafe, violent, voluptuous, frightened, deceived, calm, agreeable. So, that, you know, there's both positive and negative um, emotional words in there and really help us improve our, <clears throat> our IQ, I guess, uh, our feelings IQ. Um, uh, Corey has a book, uh, Recovery Tools and Tips, and, and there's some stuff in there about feelings. And when he's talking about in one of his tips, identifying and sharing your feelings, I love what this says. For many in recovery, we are emotionally constipated. So it's important we begin to identify what we are feeling and share our feelings with others. And so while this is very critical to work on with my wife, it can help me in all kinds of relationships. Have you ever done anything like this? What comes to mind um, is I, I, I want to just share something specific here and say that, you know, growing up, there are several times when I inherently knew I was a very emotional being, that I understood emotions, that I had a lot of them, that it was complex. Mm. And... I was like called gay or a sissy or just a variety of names mm, totally that were very shamed. shaming. Yeah. And so I just learned to start to numb them. Like, well, if I'm feeling stuff, then I must not be a very good person. Therefore, I should learn how to stop feeling. Yeah. And and especially feeling around other people, oh no, like at that point completely closed off. Yeah. But there's there's a there's a you know there's a, there's an interesting phenomenon you know for for a guy that's like just relearning how to feel for the first time you use the word constipation like after being severely constipated going to the bathroom for the first time like it starts to flush things out but then when the system starts working again it means that there's a regularity to the emotion to feeling emotions you can't just like go have one big feeling. I wanted to use the word that starts with D, but just <laughs> just visually, I don't I don't want to say it. But like you you have a big purge, yeah, and and um, it doesn't end there. Now it's a continuation, like uh, every every day. And so, okay, here are some clues to a feeling, and I'll give you just a, a couple of clues. Is if you find yourself at a meeting, and if it's an open share specifically. And something's coming up when you're hearing other people share, like you, you feel something in your chest. There, there's something that rises to your throat. There's, there, there's usually a sensation in the body. Feelings are very physiological. Mm. They're, they're stored in muscles. They're stored, they're stored in, 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 uh, there, there, there's, there's something very tactile about emotions and feelings. And then if, if it comes time for, for your share I would super, super encourage you to share that exact thing, even if it's scary, 
and then just take note of what changes are happening in your body. Like, is your heart racing? Um, you know, are, are you, uh, you know, what, and what happens before, what happens during, what happens after as that feeling has finally been expressed, especially if like some tears come up or like something that, you know, you have this choice, whether or not you're going to try and suppress it even further or like fully express it. Try just to fully express it one time so you can get a sense of what a feeling even is. Because I'll just share with you right now, I had no clue what these odd sensations were when they first started to come up again. Yeah. I just, I wanted to preface that for the person that is totally out of touch with like feelings at all. Like I was totally numb. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you shared that. And and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I am, I'm afraid that that experience that you had growing up is probably pretty widespread yeah where people are shamed especially guys like you said you know they call you gay drama queen like it's not okay to have feelings when you're young that seems to be what our culture speaks to us and and that's not right and that's why you know i encourage people to use this exercise with their kids yeah help teach your kids this language practice this with them you know i i know that we did not do that enough with our kids we started late we did do it some uh and but but man that you can't do this enough mm. honestly like you know, practicing this is just something that's so powerful to to be in touch with to be able to identify my feelings because that was that that that's that's the definition, right? Inability to share. Well, that's because I can't even friggin' figure it out. So I got to first be able so to. So then, if you can't, if you can't figure it out, how does that manifest? Well, it's more, at least for me, more often that manifested in just a struggle and a frustration. Exactly. But a generalized frustration that is unexplainable. Right. To your, to my wife, a generalized, unexplainable frustration. She internalizes that like I'm angry at her. Yeah. I was not angry at her. Yeah. I've, like in any of those scenarios. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that that that's it. It's because what's coming out of us is not subtle, right? It's going to be uh I seem like I'm pissed or I seem like um um wanting to isolate because I'm frustrated uh and uh they're going to think that I'm blaming them. Mm. And, and that may or may not be the case. And, I, and, and that's when I think it's important to dig deep and get some vulnerability and, and just say, hey, I'm having a hard time identifying why I'm feeling this way. <clears throat> uh, the, un, the unwillingness, if I, if I could just for a second on unwillingness, is that I never wanted to share how I was feeling. Like I had the world's best poker face because I felt like if I held my cards super close to my chest, then no one could hurt me because right. they didn't know anything about me. They didn't have enough data points to press my buttons if they didn't even know where the buttons were. Yeah. And like that, that I carried that over into my marriage. This like stone cold, you can't read me. Yeah. I'm not going to let you go there because I'm this stoic male figure. Right. That's going to be your savior. Yeah. That's I'm, my your, story. I'm your protector and provider <laughs> and nothing can can keep me from my mission it that it did not serve me very well but i'm curious what your experience has been (laughs) well and 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 i i think that we need to talk about on the unwillingness side because once i 
have the ability. Mm-hmm. And then when I become unwilling to share my feelings, now I'm more actively participating in this addiction of intimacy and anorexia. Then it's sin, right? If you don't know what you're doing is sin yet and you do it, it's kind of like sinning before you're a believer versus like you're a believer, you believe in Jesus, you know that you should like not be watching porn and you do it anyway very intentionally that carries a bit of a different weight. I agree with you. And and, and I think that there's a a really big danger in this because when guys learn to be able to talk about feelings, that's super attractive to women. And if you use that on some other woman that's not your wife, that's an emotional affair and that's not right. And that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, full transparency is I I did that several times with other women is that I was stonewalled with my wife with something and and I would go to other women that um, would just, I don't know, for some reason, like being a committed man just seems it just it anyway. Um, that's a topic for another time. But 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 I would I would I would share these things and totally justify it. Like, oh, okay, like you know this we're just we're just friends or yep. you know oh I'm just talking about God with this other chick and 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 just kind of you know filling these these voids with with other women other than my wife and it felt like nothing less than cheating, but it, it was totally justified because we had not done anything physical in my mind at yeah, the time. Right. I, 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 dude, uh, I'm embarrassed to share this story because I, I remember telling my wife, um, you know, I was talking to uh, uh, women at work and I told my wife, believe it or not, I'm a really good listener. As it relates to, to listening and talking to these women, right? I mean, talk about a dagger to her heart. When I'm a terrible listener for her mm. and, and not supporting her, now I'm rubbing it in her face saying, well, the girls at work like me because I'm a good listener. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane. And, mm. and I remember doing that. And, and I'm so ashamed of that because, you know, had I invested the kind of emotional capital into my wife, as I was into these other women, um, my marriage would have been in a much better place. <clears throat> that takes a lot of courage to share that. Uh, well, that's why we're here, man. Um, now, you, you, I know you're a big journaler. That's another thing that we can do with this exercise is, is using these words as feed to journal about and you know, picking a word, right? Uh, let's find one, insignificant. I've, I write insignificant in my journal and, and I just write what comes to mind. You know, sometimes I feel insignificant because you know, when I'm in a crowd, there's so many people there. Why would God love me versus all these hundreds of thousands of people around me? I mean, I'm just one of, I'm nothing. I'm dust in the wind. Uh, and, and just kind of riff on that. Fascinating. Yeah, like an, an exploration through language. Um if, if I could share just from a just a psychology perspective, this triad of the state that a human being is in um, one is which which is kind of like your feelings. And, and maybe this maybe this is a helpful framework. Maybe it's not. 
One is physiology, which carries the most weight. Um, show me what a depressed person looks like. Mm -hmm. Okay, shoulders slouched, kind of talking really slow. And and when we're when we're in like a, a depressed state, and if we, we notice that we're sort of hunched into a ball on our couch watching Netflix, like what happens if you were to intentionally go outside and take a walk? Would you mm. still be depressed if you were if you were standing confidently walking in God's grace? Two is um, so focus. What are what are the thoughts you, you're you're talking about, Pastor Rick's The thoughts equal the the this and the, uh, the this and the that is um, whatever you're focusing on. That 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 kind of becomes what what you're feeling so what are your thoughts have you continued to um read trash watch trash just in you know put all these toxic things into your mind they're going to kind of continue to breed negative emotions and then the third is language um language and words like we're describing right now have such a a, a powerful impact on on our emotions do, you know do do i find myself using hateful words or or negative words most of the time when describing something because that's just kind of like the office culture or you know just kind of what's going on are these are these really uplifting and empowering and encouraging words or am i kind of a parrot and anyway those three things just wanted to share i think it's fun, it's awesome that you brought that up because one of these tips that Corey has in here, he calls it hold your feelings. And you were talking about that depressed and the kind of the slouched shoulders. Well, he talks, he, he says, often our bodies are much more aware of what we are feeling than our brains. And so this exercise they're encouraging, and I, I admit I've never done this, take time to mime or act out your feelings. So I take the word mm -hmm. and then I hold that feeling in my posture for 15 to 30 seconds to see what it feels like. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and, um, and, and just, you know, practicing this and obviously we should feel a big difference between the positive connotated words and the negative connotated words and, Hopefully, we want to experience more of the positive ones because physically, I think that's just going to make us feel better. Let's try a quick experiment, and I'll, I'll sort of just talk it through as we're doing it. And if you're watching on video, you can kind of see what we're doing. Let's sit up super straight in our chair, chairs, shoulders back, and a big stupid smile <laughs> on your face. Yeah. It's like, is it possible to be depressed in this? Yeah, state? like I'm like looking at you and you have this goofy smile <laughs> and I'm like, I want to laugh. <laughs> like, now the mirror neurons are taking place. I'm feeling yeah. some, some serotonin in my brain. Like yeah, it, like a jolt of energy, right? Yeah, like, like, doesn't it feel like different? I want to talk for 20 more minutes? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Now, now do take the opposite. Now, now yeah. really slunch down and just, you know, just talk like this. And yeah. Man, now it really feels like the enemy has a foothold in my life. And like, what am I even doing here? Why are we recording this? Yeah, I want to take a nap. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it, it's incredible. Um, and that's sort of that whole like act your way into a feeling, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it, it's almost the fake it till you make it type of mentality. I think that that can work. A this couple feels of like feelings 101. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really. Here's a couple more tips. Um, I think it's really important to validate 
and not judge my wife's feelings. This is insanely hard um, because nine times out of 10, I want to try to talk my wife out of a feeling, especially if it's one that is uncomfortable. And and so I'm going to start persuading her not to feel that way. She wants to feel her way out of the feeling. You want to try and talk, talk your way out of it. And there's no, there's no logic behind feelings. Yeah. And, and, and so practicing validating feelings, um, I think is like a superpower for your, your marriage. Um, I'm not great at it. I really want to be better. So I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, please. We talked about a great feeling in our CR open share last night. Actually, excuse, excuse me, the step study where it was gratitude mm-hmm. and what, why is it important to maintain an attitude of gratitude, a state of thankfulness um, to, to pray, think, you know, to pray with Thanksgiving to, to, to have, to have gratitude and, it's, it's also something to be said that, you know, kind of thinking about what you're grateful for will start to make you feel grateful. Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling grateful, you're choosing love and not fear. You're, you're, you're choosing to follow Jesus and literally not Satan in that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, this it, it is still spiritual warfare, if I might sprinkle that onto this. <laughs> I agree with you. And, and, and another piece of that is, when I'm thinking gratitude, I'm thinking abundantly rather than scarcity minded uh, because I know for me, I can tend to have a scarcity mindset where it's just like I want to protect and hoard and and guard and get more as opposed to having gratitude of God will provide. I need to be generous. I need to give to get. I need to give to give. And just because there's abundance. So guys, so really quick on the scarcity mindset, this is like afraid that there is not enough. Have you ever felt like, man, this person's really out to get me. And then you have an imaginary kind of like argument with them in your mind. And then you're feeling angry. And then Mm -hmm. you kind of just continue to go about your life as if that argument actually happened. And then you see them and you scowl. And like you've technically not really done anything and then you're living in worry and fear and regret. And then these things start to beget more and, and you're kind of just feeling trapped by this, this, this cloud that's living in you. Um, these things can be expressed and expelled. Yeah. For sure. Oh, I like that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And that's, that's Why what, a that, that's what our meetings are about. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Okay, so remember when we were talking about the love languages and we talked about I need to give to my wife in her love language and yet at the same time not always expect her to give to me in my love language and look for how she's giving to me. Yeah, recognizing that it's a bit of a double standard, but in a good way, being more gracious towards my wife. So I I feel like this is something very similar around feelings. And and this one's a hard one um, because it's like, I'm expected to validate my wife's feelings. Mm-hmm. Technically, she should be validating mine if we're in good communication and, and having a strong and healthy relationship. Crash course, what is validation and what does that look like? Just just for practical it's, example. It's, a, it's acknowledging 
that you're feeling that way and and just being uh, empathetic and appreciating it and saying, I understand. And, you know, maybe even sometimes saying, I'm sorry, or I remember feeling that way. Uh, <clears throat> but don't necessarily expect your wife to validate your feelings. And if you're a narcissist like me, she's not always talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are not always directly related to something that you did or something that I've done. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to add that there. And one last quick tip. I think that it's really important to do our part to not weaponize feelings. Um, because, you know, if I put I feel in front of everything where that's like, well, feelings aren't facts. And so you can't really attack my feelings. And if I say, I feel like we don't have enough sex, or I feel like you're lazy, or I feel like, you know, don't do that. Don't put I feel in front of everything and expect to. You know what I do that's even worse sometimes is I say, look, I don't want you to get offended by what I'm about to say. I just need to tell you how I feel. Yeah. Like when I see my clothes on the floor, I feel alienated. And it's like I'm embedding an insult in like a feeling thing right and then she'll start to get a little defensive i'm like no no no, no. i'm just telling you how i feel <laughs> yeah I, I, but it's, it's man i'm so manipulative yeah that's a t that's really a tough one and that takes pr practice um and and i'll tell you what <sighs> women are good at weaponizing feelings too yep. and, and that's why we need to try to de-escalate that's why we need to let go of our expectations around having our own feelings validated. Let, let's take those to group. Let's get our validation there and let's do our best to validate our wives. Because I do think over time, if I'm consistent at validating my wife, she's not going to do that to me. Can I give you all a visual of de-escalation? I'd like you to imagine an escalator in a mall back when malls existed. <laughs> and the escalator is just going slowly up. You stand on the escalator and you go all the way to the top and it's this constant motion is that de-escalation is like the escalator stopping. Mm. Conveniently, you still have stairs, but it slows down the motion of things so that you have to take it one step at a time. De-escalation is not is not necessarily moving faster or trying to get to a different destination altogether. It's just kind of like slowing down and then going one step at a time. Just wanted to give a visual. Yeah. Awesome. I like that word picture. That's really good. Um, so we're out of time. Let's do our open chairs. Okay. I oh, mean, I could talk about this one for hours. This is a tough one. And, and it's one that I think we all could get better at. Uh, we're, we're making a conscious effort to, uh, keep these a little bit tighter on time. So we'll move into to open share. Um, but you're always the first one. So. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, you guys, my name is John. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm in recovery for sexual addiction and I struggle with intimacy anorexia. Hey, John. Hey, you guys. <clears throat> oh, man, this whole topic of feelings can really fire me up and 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 fill me with a feeling of anxiety, to be honest. Um, I want to be good at this but it feels like so much work. And I, I, I can, can't tell you how many times I get into these like looping kind of debates with my wife where it's like, no, no, I'm just trying to tell you how I feel and, and you're not validating me. And 
like that's unfair and then she gets mad and I get mad and it just it's a mess so I, I really need to learn and I, I need to keep that that escalator picture in my mind and and learn how to do a better job of of just saying okay pause and you know one one good thing that I don't do enough of is is taking a timeout like this is getting hot I'm feeling flustered you're feeling flustered let me step away let me gather my thoughts and let me come back and when I've done that nine times out of ten I come back with a better heart posture in a calmer mood and I can apologize for my part and not get worked up if she doesn't apologize for her part thanks guys I'm John thanks John Hey guys, I'm Chris, Grateful Believer in Jesus, in recovery for alcohol, sex, porn, money, codependency, many other things. Hey Chris. Um, I'm I'm guilty of not listening sometimes and doodling instead, and I decided to kind of just doodle my de-escalation picture. <laughs> <laughs> because I think my thoughts and feelings are more important than other people's, and it's really selfish behavior. Um and and I've I've treated my wife that way, and and um, I, you know I've put, I've definitely weaponized feelings. I've definitely manipulated, you know, as a as a master narcissist in recovery. I you know, it can. I need to just continue to recognize these behaviors and break patterns, um, so that, you know, so that these these understandings about feelings and 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 just the way we operate are contained to be used for the kingdom um, because <sighs> I just just humble myself before the Lord just I think that that humility is 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 the 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 biggest thing to to never feel like I've reached some sort of emotional superiority because mm. I'm more recovered than somebody else. Like that, what a ridiculous statement. This is a lifelong approach. Thanks, guys. I'm Chris. Oh, thanks, Chris. That's awesome. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, oh, Lord, thank you so much. You made us in your image. So you've given us these thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Uh, sometimes I feel like what you haven't given us is the ability to control them. Um, but you have. One of the fruit of this, one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control, and I just pray that you help us pull out our self-control, that you help us take our thoughts captive, that you help us transform our hearts by transforming the way we think. Oh Lord, we have a long way to go, but we have you to guide us and strengthen us, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.